couple chapters back, we've gotten through the tribulation, we've gotten through the final uprising of Satan and those who turn against God at the end of the millennium, they've been roasted and toasted, and now we're in the good part, eternity, living with God forever in paradise. This message is called A Perfect World, something we've all longed for, hoped for, dreamed about our entire lives. Three times in Revelation, Jesus calls himself the Alpha and the Omega, which is another way of confirming that he is indeed God, because if he's not the beginning and the end, that's what Alpha Omega means, the first and the last, then he wouldn't have been there at creation, would he? He's the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the Alpha and the Omega, chapter 1, verse 8, chapter 21, verse 6, and chapter 22, verse 13, which we will not get to today. The very first verse in the Bible, very first verse, Genesis 1, 1 says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Jesus says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. So he was there. In the beginning, God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit created man and woman to wallow in the mire and anguish and misery for all their days. Is that what the Bible says? No. He created man and woman to rule over the earth. Genesis 1.26. Then God said, let us, plural, either Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were there or God had a frog in his pocket. I don't know. God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth until the environmentalists and PETA come along and shut it all down. Doesn't say that, does it? God gave man dominion. Further on in chapter 2 of Genesis, we see that God placed man in a perfect, quote, heavenly environment. Genesis 2, 8 through 10. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed, and out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. So God made the food attractive so that man would want to eat it. Some of the things we see around nowadays, you wonder, is that really food? The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Notice, we tend to focus on that tree of the knowledge of good and evil that Adam and Eve partook of and then were cast out of the garden, but there was another tree there called the tree of life. Now a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from, the, from there it parted and became four river heads. So, as we move into the last chapter of Revelation, which is also the last chapter of the last book of God's Holy Bible, we find that in the New Jerusalem, as we've discussed previously, most likely suspended above the earth in orbit around the earth. How cool is that? You Star Wars fans, Ooh, the sky cities and all that, pretty cool. More than likely in orbit around the earth, we find that in the New Jerusalem, God has fully restored all that man forfeited so long ago in the Garden of Eden. Let's pray. Father, we lift up this time in your word. We ask that your Holy Spirit would teach us, feed us, lead us, guide us into all truth. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So this angel that's been working with John, he's now, he says, he showed me, verse 1 of Revelation 22, he showed me a pure river of water of life 
clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Just as God had provided Adam and Eve with a river to sustain life, some believe this river is symbolic, others believe it's literal, I believe it's both. A literal river can also have a spiritual meaning to it, and from the beginning of creation, water has been absolutely essential for the survival of all life forms on the earth. Would you agree with that? And we especially know it here in New Mexico, don't we? I grew up in Arizona, another state that doesn't have a lot of water. But praise God, He's provided water for us, even in the desert, just like He did for the children of Israel. With us here in Albuquerque, it's an underground aquifer. So isn't it cool how you can look out over the landscape and it looks as dry as a bone and yet down underneath there's water that God has provided for us. So we have here in the New Jerusalem a pure river of water of life. So perhaps even in eternity, this water, this pure river of water of life will be an essential ingredient to our eternal well-being. And folks, there would be no conflict between this possibility and the promise of immortality, for God will provide that which is needed to sustain us forever. Our immortality being eternally dependent upon His provision. And that makes a lot of sense that God wants us to be eternally dependent upon Him. The promise of eternal life is real. It's sure. You can take it to the bank. But it looks like there might be some things that we will be doing in eternity, in the New Jerusalem, to sustain that. It tells us that that water is clear as crystal. Just like the source, who is Jesus, this water is pure, clear, spotless, perfect, and presents absolutely no health hazard whatsoever. Good news. You know, I think I shared this before, but one time I have this little water tester at home that tests the uh, pollutants in your water. And out of curiosity, because we had one of those pitchers, zero water, which worked pretty good, actually. And I, maybe, who knows, maybe I'll get some kind of a perk. Zero water, it's good. <laughs> Probably not. But so I used this tester on some bottled water like this that I'm drinking right here. And the contaminant level was pretty high. So that's how dumb we all are. <laughs> Those of you that are around my age, 39, um, <laughs> you remember when we drank water out of a spigot. We didn't have to buy water. I mean, you paid your monthly water bill, right? But other than that, water was free. You could find water anywhere, any place, any time. But see, then they told you, oh, no, that water is bad for you. And a lot of it probably is. In fact, I don't know if you heard about this. They've just discovered for the first time they find microplastic particles in human blood. Did you hear about that? And it comes again from... Stuff like this. But we're a lot smarter than they were 50 years ago, you see. Because back then we didn't use plastic bottles. We used metal cans for soda pop and different things. We used glass bottles. In fact, early on, maybe when I was really young, or you used to get milk in a glass bottle. Did you know that glass is probably one of the best things that you can put stuff into? Nothing sheds 
Nothing sheds off of the glass into the milk or the juice or whatever it is. But we're so much smarter now, we figured out how to kill ourselves <laughs> with microplastic particles. You know, and I thought it was so funny when Albuquerque here, they banned plastic bags. This is before the, right around the time of the pandemic or just before? The city council banned plastic bags. Oh, they're horrible. They're evil. They pollute. And then you walk through the store and every item, 90% is in plastic. But you can't put all your plastic food products in a plastic bag. I told you sin makes you stupid. If you don't know God, you are going to get stupider and stupider, dumb and dumber. I guarantee it. Take it. It doesn't matter how high your IQ is, you can be a major super intellect and be dumb as dirt. And our world is being run by people who are dumb as dirt. I'm looking forward to that water in the New Jerusalem. Although I'm pretty sure we're going to have some pretty good water during the millennium too. But this water is crystal clear, just like Jesus, who's the source. It's proceeding or flowing. Still in verse 1 here. Proceeding or flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. God the Father, along with the Lamb. Remember this new Jerusalem was called the Lamb, the Bride of Christ? Because the Lamb will be there, Jesus, in person, live in person, 24-7 for all eternity. And there won't be any 24-7 in eternity. There will be no time. But He will be with us there continually. God the Father, along with the Lamb, Jesus, is the very source of this living water. Jeremiah 17, 13, O Lord, the hope of Israel, all who forsake you shall be ashamed and those who have forsaken him, they may not be ashamed yet, but they will be, and they certainly have a lot to be ashamed for. Those who depart from me shall be written in the earth because they have forsaken the Lord, the fountain of living waters. Again, without water you die. Without living water you die forever. John 4.10, Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God, the woman at the well, remember that story? Samaritan woman, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, Jesus had asked her, she was there drawing water out of the well, Jesus asks her for a drink, he's setting the whole thing up. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you the living water. John seven thirty eight. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. And that's not just futuristic. That's true even here right now on this earth, in this world. John 10, 10, I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly. Living water spiritually speaking. The Bible talks about washing and cleansing us, our spirits, our minds, with the water of the word. So if we want that living water to be flowing in us and through us now, in the present, it involves being in the Word of God because that is the water, that is the living water. Jesus manifested through His Holy Scriptures, through the presence of His Holy Spirit living inside of us. 
Revelation 7, 17, For the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And so early in Revelation, that is a prophetic statement looking forward past all the ugliness, past all the horrors of the tribulation, even past the millennium into eternity where Christ the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them, lead them to living fountains of waters, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And so here in Revelation 7, 17, he's also referred to as the shepherd. We know that's one of Jesus. One aspect of his character, his personality, who he is as this good shepherd. Go back to Psalm 23, 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want... I shall not lack anything. He provides for all my needs. He makes me to lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside the still waters. Speaking of just the peace, the tranquility, the rest that we have in Christ. The bottom line, folks, we're looking forward into eternity here in this last chapter of Revelation. But the bottom line is God has always been the true source of life from day one when he breathed life into Adam and created the first human being. All life is sustained by him. And whenever I begin to experience aches and pains and various afflictions associated with getting older, I just remind myself, my life is in God's hands. Every day is a gift from Him. I will be here just as long as He wants me to be and not a moment longer. And I'm not going anywhere until He's done with me. And when I do go, it'll be to a better place. It's a no-lose situation. Colossians 1.17 He is before all things. Hello, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. In the beginning, let us make man in our image. He is before all things, and in Him all things consist, or it can also be translated, are held together. All things in this universe are held together by God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And in fact, it would even seem as you study the Scriptures that Jesus takes a prominent position in that of holding all things in him. All things consist. So those who acknowledge him in this life will drink from his living water for all eternity. God has always been eternal. We will be eternal only because we are directly connected to the eternal one. You know, so many different belief systems, religions, if you will, Buddhism, Hinduism, so forth, they all have their own ideas about eternity. You know, there's karma and there's reincarnation and on and on it goes. But only those who are connected to the one true God of all creation, Yahweh, Jehovah God, and His Son Jesus Christ and His Holy Spirit, only those connected to Him will truly live forever. As I've told you before, those who don't believe, those who don't receive, will exist forever. Even in this life, there are people who, if you were to ask them point blank, they would tell you, well, I'm not really living. It's not much of a life. 
I don't even know why I'm here. I don't know why I was born. I don't even know if I want to be here. We know the suicide rate has gone through the roof, especially for young people. And coincidentally, another article I just read, and we've heard these things before, but it tracks the downward spiral of people that are in church. And again, you don't get saved by going to church. You go to church because you are saved. Get it? Because you're hungry for fellowship with other believers. You're hungry for worship. You're hungry for the Word of God. But I believe what I read was, for the first time in the history of America, church attendance has dropped below 50%. I think it's only like 30-something percent, if I'm remembering correctly. And the younger the age group, the lower the participation, the lower the attendance. And if you don't think that was the devil's plan all along, then I don't know where you've been sleeping. That is his plan. Because the youth... They're the ones with vigor, vitality, energy, motivation. I've talked many times about my experiences in the Jesus movement. That was a youth movement. And those on-fire young people for God dragged the older people along with them. But then those young people in the Jesus movement got old. And the youth we have today are not on fire for God like they were back then. They might be on fire in some places for flicking their bicks and jumping up and down. But when it comes to really getting out and preaching the gospel and winning people to Christ and sticking to the truth of God's word, they're few and far between. 50% of the church, and I'm assuming a lot of this would involve younger people, now embraces homosexuality, gay marriage, abortion. That's not the church of God, folks. The church of God doesn't embrace those things. So it's a false church. It's a fake church. It's a culturally modified church. It's a social justice church. It's a woke church. And by woke, I mean asleep, deceived. We will be eternal only because we are directly connected to the eternal one. Verse 2. Hello. Verse 2. In the middle of its street and on either side of the river. Now when you read street, keep in mind, we've learned that the New Jerusalem will be 1,500 miles in every direction, including up. This is like a super freeway. It says street. Keep in mind, John wrote this 2,000 years ago. They didn't have freeways back then. But when he says street, it's huge. In the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life. So there's going to be more than one, which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. We talked a couple weeks ago, I think it was, about the nations, what that might mean. We don't know for sure that there could be, it could just be a reference to all the various people groups who will be a part of God's eternal kingdom. There actually could be some other type of a group of people living on planet Earth while we are up in New Jerusalem rotating, revolving around the earth and, uh, like a satellite. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nation. So in the middle of its great street, I believe one translation adds the word great, like many cities in our world today that are built on or near rivers. I was just in Little Rock, Arkansas. Uh, I think I may have driven through there before. If I did, it was a long time ago. But it was kind of fun because that conference I went to 
was right in downtown Little Rock, and I had a room overlooking the Arkansas River. And it was really cool, especially at night when all the lights were on and everything. But we have many cities that are built on or near rivers for obvious reasons, transportation, water, so forth, so as to be near the source of life. The Heavenly River runs right down the middle of the main street of New Jerusalem. I uh, think Rio Grande Boulevard, which once upon a time the Rio Grande, I guess, had some water in it. Or a lot more than it does today, I should say. But again, I mentioned Arkansas. That's the Arkansas River that runs down through Little Rock. Mississippi River. Almost got uh, in big trouble one time there taking a, a boat ride through the bayou and getting lost and almost got swept out into the main stream going down the Mississippi. It was, it was God's intervention at the last minute that saved us. Pretty crazy. The Missouri River. When I was traveling as a young man in my music group, Phoenix Sunshine, traveled across the country, I didn't realize that the Missouri River is just about as massive as the Mississippi. And so we drove across there a few times, and you've got towns all along there, but, and sadly, with both the uh, Mississippi River and the Missouri, if they get a lot of rain, they can have flooding, and towns can get flooded, and they have an emergencies, and all kinds of things, but it's real common to have cities built right alongside or even having rivers running right through them, the Seine uh, over in France, the Rhine, the Danube in Germany. And so we will have this in the New Jerusalem running right down the middle of this super highway, if you will, the river of life. On each side of the river stood the tree of life. Ezekiel 47, 12. Along the bank of the river on this side and that will grow all kinds of trees used for food their leaves will not wither. How many have you leaves that are still withered? Yeah, we're just getting into spring, aren't we? But there's still a lot of withered leaves out there. And some are even here today. <laughs> I'll include myself in that. Their leaves will not wither and their fruit will not fail. How many of you have had failed fruit? In fact, we just had a late freeze. Did you guys have frozen blossoms? Yeah, it stinks, doesn't it? You see all these great blocks. Oh, I'm going to have some wonderful peaches, apricots. And then they freeze. Right? That's New Mexico for you, right? These will never fail. No failure here. They will bear fruit every month. Certainly can't do that in New Mexico. Because they're, unless you have a greenhouse, I guess. Because their water flows from the sanctuary. No problems with water. No fighting over the water from the Colorado River which happens in Colorado, Arizona, California. Rio Grande, Texas, New Mexico, so forth. Of course, we're easy peasy. We just give ours away, I think. Because Texas is big and bad. They will bear fruit every month because their water flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for medicine. Good news. For those of you who like to eat, I know most of us, we don't really like to eat. You can tell. I don't like to eat. Right. See, you need to be, have discernment. You need to tell when somebody's lying. Okay. So those of you who like to eat, there will be eating in heaven. And the leaves are medicine. Now that part I don't know because like I said, well, we will be eternal, immortal, imperishable, incorruptible. 
No sickness, but maybe, again, if there's another people group on the planet. We're just speculating. We don't know, but there's some things in the Scriptures, like Pastor Chuck said, some of this is just speculation. We won't know till we get there. But if somebody needs medicine, it'll be there. So not just one or two trees of life, but the tree of life, many, all along the banks of the river of life, flowing through the New Jerusalem. What a beautiful place it's going to be. Don't you love just driving through an area with big, tall trees? A little bit challenging here in New Mexico. Go north, right? Or east mountains. We've got them. We're not totally barren here. But it's been a long time since man has seen anything like what we're going to see in the New Jerusalem. Genesis 3, 22 through 24. The Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, us again, the plural, to know good and evil. See, God can handle that kind of information. You and I can't. Because whenever we have a full revelation or understanding of good and evil, our natural tendency is to gravitate towards the evil. Let's be honest. And now, lest he put out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever, which means if that would have happened, if God had not stopped Adam and Eve, by kicking them out of the garden for their own good, and they had an opportunity to eat from that tree of life and live forever, they would have lived forever in a corrupt, fallen state. That's why God removed them. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out of the Garden of Eden till the ground from which he was taken, to till the ground from which he was taken to become a farmer. In the Garden of Eden, it was all there, just, ooh, that looks good, ooh, that looks great all provided by God. How stupid are we? God wants to bless us. He wants to provide for us and take care of us. And we think we can do a better job than he can. We can't. And so now he has to till the ground from which he was taken. And we know that God later on will say, and you're gonna, it's going to produce thorns and thistles. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be hard work. And everything you don't want to grow is going to grow. And everything you do want to grow, it's going to be a struggle. That's one of the curses of sin. A curse on the planet. Because when man was cursed, the curse was universal. So he drove out man and he placed cherubim, angels, at the east of the Garden of Eden. And a flaming sword, which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. So man was shut down, shut out from the tree of life. That was God's plan. That was his original intention, that we would partake of the tree of life and live forever. And guess what? In the new Jerusalem, that's exactly what we're going to do. It's been a long time since man has seen this precious sight, but we will see it. And by the way, Jesus said in John 15, 5, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. But we see that these trees bore 12 fruits. Now, several translations read 12 kinds of fruit. So here's that number 12 again that we've talked about. 12 tribes, 12 patriarchs, or 12 apostles. Man has already successfully produced through grafting and genetic engineering trees and vines that can produce more than one kind of fruit. You know that, right? Pastor Chuck Smith used to tell a story about his childhood in Santa Ana, California, that in their backyard, and man, this was a long time ago, this would have been like the 1930s, I believe, 40s. They had a tree 
that can produce Valencia oranges, navel oranges, grapefruit, and lemons all on the same tree. And that was, you know, a long time ago, back in mid-20th century. But these trees will bear 12 different kinds of fruit. So at any rate, God is going to give us life in 12 different fruit flavors. Kind of like lifesavers. No pun intended. Or was it? Each tree yielding its fruit every month. Unlike fruit trees as we now know them, only bearing fruit once or twice a year, the tree or trees of life will bear fruit continuously, providing the nutrition that all immortals need for good health. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. So, since there will be no more sickness, this must be a reference to preventative medicine or perhaps the reconciliation of all people, all people groups, all nations. So when, uh, when you're in your mansion in the New Jerusalem, you could um, use your telepathic telephone, call up your friend and say, hey, come on over, let's sit down and have a nice cup of Tree of Life tea together and share the love of God for a few millennia, shall we? Verse 3, that's our last verse today. Woo, we're doing really good. Kind of really good, we'll see. You never know until you get there. You never know where you are until you get there. Okay, Genesis 9, beginning of verse 1. So God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. At that point, the earth wasn't full. Everybody drowned in the flood except for Noah and his family. And the fear of you and the dread of you shall be on every beast of the earth. So the first part of the curse that's going to be lifted is the curse on the animal kingdom. Watch this. The fear of you and the dread of you shall be on every beast of the earth including my dog who won't come near me most of the time. <laughs> Every bird of the air and all that move on the earth and all the fish of the sea. Remember, in the garden, Adam gave names to all the animals. Adam and the animals were on a first-name basis. They were buddies. They were pals. And man, Adam and Eve were vegetarians, and that was true all the way up until Noah's flood. But now, the curse... They are given into your hand. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you until they invent fake meat. Another brilliant idea by some stupid genius. Lab-grown meat. The impossible burger. Well, is that what it's called? Why would they use a word like that? It's an impossible burger because it's impossible. It's not meat. Another idiot named it. This is impossible. Eat it. Lord Jesus, help us, please. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. I have given you all things, even the green herbs. So after the flood, before the flood, man did not eat meat. But see, there were a lot of environmental changes that took place after the flood and you also will notice if you study your Bible that the lifespan of man gradually decreased after the flood there are many factors prior to the flood there was a, a moisture belt around the earth and that's it had never rained on the earth until the flood and that moisture belt filtered out a lot of the ultraviolet rays that now give us skin cancer 
So man's whole world was turned upside down, so to speak, by the flood. Lifespan decreased. Now told to eat meat. And if God told man to eat meat, there must have been a good reason for it. So the curse on the animal kingdom will be lifted. We won't be eating any animals in heaven. There's, there's some good indications that there will be animals. Some people even think they're going to see their dead pets there. I don't know. That's an interesting one. But the curse on the animal kingdom will be lifted. The curse on the earth itself, on ecology, on agriculture. Genesis 3.17, then to Adam he said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. So even before the flood, when man was a vegetarian, there was a curse that made it difficult to bring forth the crops necessary for sustenance. They were able to do it, but it took work. That curse will be lifted. And then mo most importantly, the curse on man himself, death and separation from Father God. 1 Corinthians 15, 22. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. Genesis 3.10, For as many as are of the works of the law, as New Testament believers, we're saved by grace through faith, not by works. We don't live under the law, but as many as are the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. So, if you can't be perfect, if you can't keep God's law 100%, then you are cursed. Even before Christ came, and even after Christ came, if you're under the law, you're under the curse. This curse will be lifted when we enter into eternity. Galatians 3.13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. And so now, our bodies are still under the curse, but our spirits have been saved, set free. We've been forgiven our sins. We have the gift of eternal life. But the fulfillment will be when you and I receive our immortal, imperishable, incorruptible, eternal bodies. Then no more curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it. So in the millennial kingdom, Jesus will be enthroned in the earthly Jerusalem a refurbished version of the one that's over there now in Israel, Jesus will literally be enthroned in Jerusalem. That will be the capital of the world under his reign during the thousand-year reign of Christ on the earth. But in the new Jerusalem, the Father will be there as well. During the millennium, the Father will still be in heaven. Jesus will be in Jerusalem. We will be here on earth ruling and reigning with him. In the new Jerusalem, the Father himself will then come and make his dwelling among men. Revelation 21.3, I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle, the dwelling place of God, is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. Genesis 3.8, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord, the Lord God, among the trees of the garden. So fallen man could no longer walk with God in intimate fellowship. That's why you and I, Peter says, though you've not seen him, you love him. You believe in him. And that's the blessing. Jesus said to Thomas, hey, you believe because you've seen me now. Blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. But in the new Jerusalem, we will not only believe 
in our hearts and our minds, we will be with God and we will see him face to face. Nothing could be more incredible or more amazing than that. Exalted man, just like Adam and Eve in the garden before the fall, walked with God in the garden in the cool of the day. But then when they realized that they were sinners, they'd eaten of the tree of, of the knowledge of good and evil, tried to cover their nakedness with fig leaves, they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. In the new Jerusalem, you and I will once again know that deep, intimate fellowship with God that they knew in the beginning. His servants shall serve him. In a perfect world, which this will be, the new Jerusalem, our eternal destination, heaven, is like a wonderful, beautiful vacation. But our eternal destination is the new Jerusalem. In the perfect world, which this will be, the servants of God will no longer be distracted by the things of this life. Let's be honest, we all get distracted, do we not? The goal is to serve God 24-7. We all fall short of that. We will not fall short in the new Jerusalem. We won't be distracted by the things of this life, for our life will flow from God and God alone. We will serve Him with absolute faithfulness at all times for all eternity. And isn't that what's really in our hearts to do in a perfect world? Let's stand. Before Roy leads us in our closing song, I'm just going to ask anyone who has a prayer request, if you'd raise your hand, we'd like to lift those up to the Lord right now. I see those hands. More importantly, God sees your hands. So, Father, Lord, you see each one that's raised their hand here this morning, and you know what's going on. For some, Father, it's probably a health issue. It could be something minor, but sometimes even the minor things can be very frustrating, irritating, hard to deal with. Lord, many are struggling right now with allergies. We pray for relief, for help, for healing, and for strength with those struggling with allergies, whether it be just a mild case or a very strong case of allergies. Father, Pastor Ed, I know, has been struggling quite a bit, and others. Pray for your healing for them, Father, for encouragement and for wisdom. Lord, you do give us wisdom. You show us how to take care of these bodies that you've given us. Give us wisdom and insight and help us to follow your divine guidance. Lord, for other health issues, whether it would be a cancer, a leukemia, a lung disease of some kind, Father, Lord, nothing is too difficult for you. We lift all these health issues up to you, and we do pray for healing, for strength. Lord, we know that ultimately, like Job said thousands of years ago, though you slay me, Lord, yet I will praise you. And so, Lord, as I said earlier, our lives in your hands. Every day is a gift from you. Every breath we take, we're only going to be here as long as you want us to be. And we're not going anywhere until you're done with us. But, Lord, that doesn't mean we will necessarily feel good all the time and be in perfect health. That's when our faith really gets tested. So we ask you to give us strength, Lord. Increase our faith. Strengthen our faith. But we pray uh, out of your grace, love, and mercy that you would pour out healing upon your people, Lord. We really need that. There are so many in need of a touch, a physical touch from you, Father. And that's what we beseech you for here today that you would pour out your healing upon those in need of physical healing. Lord, for those with mental and emotional issues, anxiety, depression, fear, worry, doubt, unbelief, Lord, these things can really bring us down. We pray that you would give us the mind of Christ. Lord, your word says that we would be transformed by the renewing of our minds as we focus on you, as we meditate upon your word, as we pray, as we fellowship, 
and do all these things that contribute to our spiritual health and well-being. We pray for healing and deliverance. Lord, you said if we would bring everything to you in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, that we make our requests known unto you that the peace that passes all understanding would guard our hearts and our minds. I pray that for each one here today, Lord, or each one represented here today by a raised hand for deliverance from mental and emotional pain, stress, anguish, any kind of mental or emotional attack. We pray for deliverance, for healing, in the mighty name of Jesus. And Lord, finally, for financial issues, we're now in a very difficult, difficult time, Father, in terms of economics. Our economy is going crazy. Prices are rising. We know that there are forces at work doing that on purpose to us, but you are our provider. You promised, Lord, if we would seek first you and your kingdom, if we would seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness, that all these things would be added unto us. So we trust you. We thank you. We praise you for providing for us. We pray for wisdom and guidance to be good stewards over the resources you've given us. Wisdom and guidance on how to increase those resources as they are needed. And Lord, but help us to always remember that ultimately you are our provider. Help us to trust in you completely and absolutely. I pray for peace for those who are struggling. I pray for wisdom. And I pray, Lord, your word says that you will not bring more upon us than we're able to bear and that you will provide the way of escape. And so we thank you in advance for doing that. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the glorious eternal kingdom that awaits us in paradise in the new Jerusalem, Lord. What a wonderful, wonderful place that will be. We look forward to being with you there. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.